Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as we close out our series, Attitudes of the Heart, with a sermon entitled, The Right Inner Circle. Let's have a listen. So here we are, we're at the final attitude of the heart today, and the, the last attitude of the heart is the declaration that I will have the right inner circle. And when I say inner circle, I'm talking about the people around me who influence my life and, and, and send me off in a certain direction, uh, because we do know this, if you see a turtle up on a fence post, you know that it didn't get there by it self, right? Somebody had to help it. And and more often than not in this life, we need people around us that God puts there to help us become the godly men and the godly women he intended us to be. Many times in this life, we either help our walk with God by putting the right people around us, or we find a ceiling on our walk with God by putting the wrong people around us. Um, My hope and prayer is that Today in scripture, you will be able to understand how Paul and his team functioned. What were the qualities, what are the characteristics of this team that allowed them to do so much for the glory of God? Um, everybody wants to be in a winning team, don't you? I, I mean, I love a winning team. My, my college team won yesterday, the Hurricanes. Uh, we're 4-0. We're top 15 in the country. And it gets me excited to, to be on a winning team. I don't know what your team is. It may be hockey. It may be badminton. It may be the sewing team. I don't know what team you're on. But, but I do know this. Everybody likes it. Uh, even at our youngest age, we like to be on a winning team. Uh, when Aiden was in first grade, he would come home and always report to me, not his grades first, even though that's what I wanted to know. He would report to me his recess uh, results, okay? And he loved playing football. And, and every day in the first grade, he would come home, Dad, we won 49-0 today. Dad, we won 56-7 today. Dad, we won. And I'm thinking, dude, is my kid awesome or, or what? I don't know. I'm like, do I have a phenom on my hands? Well, uh, my wife, Amy, and I decided to investigate this. Aiden's the oldest of four boys. And so we, we show up to school one day and take a peek at recess because we're like, this is, what's happening? We just want to know who we have. Well, you know, he, he, we found out that, is, is he okay? Sure, he's okay. But you know what he was better at? Picking the right team. I mean, he had first graders who were shaving, I'm sure, you know, on his team. <laughs> and and we, we would look and, and these, these guys and we're like, oh, we get it. You picked the biggest, fastest guys on your team every single day during recess that you played football. He goes, you know I did. He, he said, did you do captains and rotate? He said, no, I would walk out and declare, this is our team. And here's what I want you to know. You can win in the area of growing in Christ. You can win in knowing Christ. The Christian life is livable. It's possible to live. Many people look at the Christian life and go, I just don't know. I don't know if I could do this. But God wants to put people around you today who can help you in this walk. And so we're going to pick it up right here in verse 19. We've been doing this verse-by-verse study if you're new. Um, October will be a topical series on marriage, but then after that, we're going to finish Philippians with a series called Fearless Future. But we pick it up right here where Paul has, has just said, hey, I'm going to copy Christ. I'm going to imitate Christ. 
I'm going to impact the world. I'm going to do kingdom work. Remember he said he's going to have Jesus-centered relationships. We talked about that attitude of the heart. He's going to, he determined, hey, my life matters in Christ. There are no losers in Christ. Uh, Christ wins in the end every time when you read the book, right? Every time. And if you're on his team, you win in Christ. Uh, but it gets here down to some practical, practical verses as a matter of fact, lots of pastors won't preach on this, and this is one of the, the uh, cool things about going verse by verse is this, you would look at this at, you know, first glance, and you would say, wow, okay, there's just a little story about Paul and two guys, and you'd move on and go, I don't know what to get out of this. But I want us to look at how he says, I'm going to have all these attitudes of the heart, and here is how I'm going to execute it today. So here's what he says in verse 19. <clears throat> But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded, there's a key word, who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character. He's talking to the Philippian church. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Here we see Paul talking about his boy, Timothy. And let's, uh, let's think about this for a second. We, if, you're, if you're in the series, you can talk back. Let's make this little conversation for a second. Paul is sitting in where? He's sit, sitting in prison. He's sitting in jail, and he's in the city of Rome, right? And here he's trying to impact the Philippian church. Uh, if we could throw that map up on the screen, uh, I want you to see this. Um, you see the boot down there on the left? That's the boot of Italy. How many of you ladies went shoe shopping this week, right? Yeah? Uh, it reminds you of the boot. Uh, you have the boot of Italy right there. And so Rome is kind of by that yellow line to the left. And here, uh, Philippi, the church he's writing to, is right smack in the center where the star is. And he, this city is 800 miles away from where he is. Now, there's no phone. There's no internet. This isn't 2052 where he's, you know, beam me over there, Scotty, that kind of thing. He's sitting there back in A.D. 61, 62, AD, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, and he's sitting in a, a jail cell, remember, 30 feet down at the bottom of the marketplace, full of trash where people have to lower things and lift things uh, from him, to and from him. And he is confident that he can impact the city of Philippi 800 miles away. And why was this? Because he had the right people around him the right people. Let me ask you a question. Are the right people around you in your life? Where are they pointing you to? Where are the people who are closest? I'm not talking about just your acquaintances or that guy you know or that lady you know or that person you work with. I'm talking about the people that you let around you. Do you even let anyone around you? These are the questions we're looking at today. So let's look. Part one in your notes. If you're taking notes, they're on the back of your program today. We're going to look at qualities of the right people <coughs> around Paul. Now, this is, we're going to look at the scriptures and examine the scriptures, and then at the end of the message, we're going to get super practical and kind of get a to-do list. Does that sound good? Uh, here are qualities of Timothy in verse 19 through 24. We saw that he was like-minded to Paul. 
We saw that he cared for others. We saw that he had proven character. We saw that he had a bond with Paul that was like family. Is, do, do you know what I'm talking about where you have a friend who's, who sticks closer than even a brother? You know, it's that person who, who maybe they're not blood, but they really, you, you kind of look up at God and go, they could have been. They could have been. I think, think I would like Thanksgiving with them a little bit better sometimes, right? Uh, and then uh, Timothy was a humble learner. Now, let's talk about Timothy for a second. If you're taking notes, you may want to write this, scribble this down around uh, what's going on with Timothy. Timothy uh, means, in the Greek, the Greek name Timothy means honoring God, it means honoring God. And, and, and I don't think it's a mistake that in Paul's inner circle, one of the key guys he had is a guy whose name means honoring God. If you look around at the people around you that are starting to come and you have no one who truly honors God, guess what? You have the wrong inner circle. You're going to struggle at some point doing what God calls you to do. Maybe not now but in the future. Here's another cool thing about Timothy, and this is encouragement to you parents. Uh, Timothy had a, had a mixed family. He had a Greek dad who probably had never heard the gospel, or if he believed, um, it, it would have been really later on in Timothy's life. And he had a grandmother named Lois, who was of Jewish descent, and he had a mother named Eunice, who was of Jewish descent. And, and those two, uh, the grandmother and the mother, believed in Jesus Christ, and they taught Timothy all uh, about, the, about the faith, so that when Paul showed up, he was kind of right. And let me tell you this today. If you're a parent sitting in the room, if you're a grandparent in the room, or you're, even if you're an older sibling in the room, maybe, maybe you're like the high school and you have a few uh, brothers and sisters who are younger, your influence in the faith matters greatly to someone else's inner circle later on in life. Isn't that huge? When, when you think about it, th step back just for a second. Here's Paul saying, I'm going to send Timothy to you. But there, behind the scenes in Timothy's life, there was a grandmother and a mother and a dad working all the while. And, and God was using the work of the parents and of the grandparents to build this young man up who the Bible says, we kind of get from Paul's language and other books of the Bible, he was a little timid. But because he was in Christ, he grew up to be this person who, who could be in Paul's inner circle who happens to be the most influential figure in getting the church to expand in the whole New Testament. Isn't that crazy? Could you imagine that the people around you right now, your friends, your fiance, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, that guy or that lady at work, that, that person you go to school with, they could be someone that God uses greatly, and right now, you don't even see it. And one of the things I love in this list about Timothy, when we look at the qualities of who Timothy was, I love the, the, the list proven character. I love that Paul was able to say to the Philippian church, hey, when I send this guy, he has proven character. What is proven character? Because some of us need to work on this so that we can become people who can be in other people's inner circle, and we can know what to look for in other people when we're saying, who do I really want around me in my life? Who am I going to include? Who am I going to let in? Now, some of us guys, I know the guys in the room are going, dude, I don't let anybody in. You know, I, I let... Um, NFL in. I let like Pat Summerall in, okay? I let NASCAR in. I let, I let Gene Simmons into my life. You know why? Because all these people are far off and they never challenge you. They never push on you. 
They, they never ask the hard questions. We need these people in our life. But the proven character is simply this. Something that's proven means that there was a starting place. In other words, Timothy, he had a starting place. And this is where Paul encountered him in the city of Lystra and Iconium there in the, in the Bible times. He encountered him. And from that day forward, for about the next 10 to 15 years, you go 15 years, Paul's writing in, the, in AD 60 or so, 61, 62, right? He's writing in that area. And Paul says, this guy has a track record of 15 years of serving God. That is proven character, isn't it? You see, proven. There's a starting point and there's an po- evaluation point that you have to say, is this really who this person is? And Paul knew who this person was, that, that Timothy was a person of character. This is who was in his inner circle. Do you have any people of character, proven character in your inner circle? Do you really? Are, are you letting them in? Now, uh, here, here's uh, something that is really, really big uh, as we study this. Um, you know his proven character that as a son with his father, there's the family-like bond. He served me. And what is that word? Let's read that together in your Bible right there. And you may ask, what are we in? We're New King James. Um, but it says um, that he served with me in the, what's that word? Gospel. He served with me in the gospel. And this is huge. Paul and Timothy were headed the same way. They were headed toward the gospel being the biggest thing, the biggest deal in their life. And some of you, uh, if you're like me, when you take your eyes off of the gospel and making Jesus number one and really saying, furthering God's kingdom is really what matters in my life. This isn't just for pastors, okay? This isn't for talking heads. This is for real people who have real jobs, who have real families, who have real struggles. Paul said, This guy is important because he labored with me to see other people hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's all that matters. And this is why Paul had that attitude of the heart in him of joy, even when he was sitting in prison in the darkest of circumstances. Because not only was he geared toward the right things, but he had people around him who were geared to the right things too. You see, this is... This is what allows you to go through a bad day and still go, wow, I didn't make enough money this week and the bills are a little higher than I expected. Hey, there's a little bit more month than there is at the end of the money. You know what I'm saying? You have those times and people get sucked into these problems because this becomes our goal sometimes. Our goal is to make money. Our goal is to have a good week. Our goal is just to get through the week without an argument with someone important in our family or to go in and have our boss not hate us. These are our goals and not, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, you know what? Yeah, you have to deal with all that. But here I am sitting in jail and I'm loving life. You know why? Because I'm going to further the gospel. And the reason I can further the gospel from the pit of my life in a really bad circumstance is because I have awesome people around me. I have the best, the best people around me with the best goals. And this is who Timothy was. This is who Timothy was. I hope you grab on to Timothy because you need, trust me today, hear me today, everyone. You need, whether you know it or not, you need a Timothy in your life. You need it. You need him. You need her in your life. Now, let's look at the next guy, all right? Uh, The next guy is Epaphroditus. This is in verse 25 through 30 here in Philippians 
chapter 2. Um, now, a quick, quick few notes about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was um, noted from the Jewish historian Josephus. This was a guy that lived uh, right after the Bible times, and he knew a lot about Jewish history, and he would write about various people in the Bible and kind of say, hey, this is who the Jewish culture understands him to be. Well, there's this guy, Epaphroditus, and uh, we're not sure if it's the same guy, but Josephus says that there was a man named Epaphroditus who lived in the time of Paul who was a man of great learning. Can you imagine uh, what a great learner you are if you stick out in history to a historian? Imagine if history were writing about you and a historian 100 years from now said, wow, you know, John Smith, what a great learner. That's a great, that's a great thing, isn't it? To be a great learner. Well, this was Epaphroditus. This is who we think he was. And here's another thing. Epaphroditus was a common man's name. He was, he, he was a common man. It was, it was the John Smith of today. And aren't you glad? Can I get an amen that names have changed, right? I say that a lot as we read, go through Scripture. But uh, I couldn't imagine, uh, you know, Epaphroditus Jr. You know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of that. Can you imagine that? He's playing football, Epaphroditus Jr. I don't know. That's just, you can see where mine, mine goes sometimes uh, during these messages. But here's where we pick it up on verse 25. Epaphroditus was this great learner that Paul had included uh, in his life and in his ministry and in his goals. And this is what he says uh, about Epaphroditus. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. There's that name. My brother. I love verse 25. Listen to how he describes Epaphroditus. And I, wanna, I want you to ask as, as yourself as we read this. Do I have anyone that I can say this about? Do, can, I, can I just take out, scratch out that name and write a different name? And could I say this about anyone in my life that's pointing me to Christ? Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Wow. He's a brother. He's a worker. He's a soldier fighting the same fight, and on top of it, he cared about Paul personally ministering to his need. Whoa, what a guy, what a guy. Since he was longing for you all and he was distressed. See, this is a guy who came from the Philippian church. Philippian church sent this guy over to Rome to help Paul. I can't imagine what that looked like, lowering it down. Maybe he jumped in the jail. Who knows what he did? Uh, but it says, since he was longing for you all and he was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. So here's a guy that got sick uh, it's not a big surprise that he was down there in the trash heap, uh, the city trash heap down there in the jail. For indeed, he was sick almost to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Can you imagine getting sent help? A guy, Epaphroditus, shows up. He has all this stuff for you. He has money. He has food. He probably has some clothing, lowering it down the, the jail cell. And, and here the guy is getting sick and dying. That would, have been, that would have been a bad day, right? You would have sang the song, so I had a bad day. That's a bad day right there, all right? And, and so here the guy is getting sick. And he goes, God had mercy on me this time because I couldn't have taken sitting in this jail and seeing this dude die. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Verse 28, therefore... I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work 
of Christ. Do you get that? What kind of work? The work of Christ. He was an everyday guy. He came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Look at this next blank under Epaphroditus. Here are his qualities. He related to Paul like a brother. He worked to a common goal. And I love that he called Epaphroditus a worker there in verse 25. I love it. And, and what is a worker? It's someone who will get their hands dirty in what you're trying to do. Uh, don't you just love it when uh, moms, when you're there washing the dishes and the husband or your son or your daughter comes and bumps you out of the way and sticks their hands in the dish, you know, in the sink there with you to do the dishes? It's a great feeling when it happens because you're like, oh, wait, this person's just not someone sucking air out of the same house as me, you know? No. This is someone who's putting their hands to work on the same thing I'm putting my hands to work on. And in Paul's inner circle, he had people who weren't just like, yes, people. They weren't just people who went, woo, cheerleaders, go, go, go. No. These were people who said, Paul, what are you doing? Oh, you need to go back to Philippi? You need to get them a letter? Okay, I, I'm there. How, how, do I, how do I do it? Where, where do I go? What do I do? I'll put my hand to work in this. Epaphroditus was that kind of guy. It's a great quality. And, and as we look at these qualities, I'm not, I know I'm not necessarily applying them just yet, but I want you to think, are there people in my life? Do I have the right people around me who, who are getting their hands dirty with the right things? Is there anyone helping me get my hands dirty in my relationship with Jesus? Do I have that person? Maybe you need to pray and ask God for that person. I love that he fought the same fight. He fought the same fight. I love that he cared about Paul as a person. This is a great quality of someone to have around you. Someone who not only will work with you and fight alongside of you, but someone at the end of the day who, who will look and maybe the, the the guns are blazing. Maybe the guns are blazing at work, and you're trying to be a godly person, but it's just not working. Maybe the guns are blazing at home. You need someone who can pick you up. That uh, You need your husband. You need your wife, but you also need other people outside of the marriage. This is why many marriages fail, because they're heaping too much responsibility on their spouse and not developing a godly inner circle. But you need those people who care about you personally. When the bullet hits you, they go, oh, man, that is not good. They'll stop and pray with you. They'll actually go sit down and talk with you. They'll take you to coffee. They'll show up when you need them most. That's who you need in your inner circle. And I love this next one too. Um, I, I got this here from verse, um, uh, from verse 27. Look at verse 27 again. It says, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. He was sick almost unto death. And it as I read this, I thought, Paul had this guy around him who was so life-giving. You know what a life-giving person is? It's a person who is, who's, who's able to struggle, able to go through their own problems, able to go through their own junk, and still stand up each day and ask God for the strength to give life to other people and to contribute. What a great quality to have of people around you. Do you have anybody life-giving? who you know, no matter what their day is like, at the end of the day, they're going to stand up and they're going to lift you up. You need that person. You need that person. And obviously, Epaphroditus was committed to Christ. Now, quick thing before we move into some application today. 
Timothy on one hand, right? We have Epaphroditus on the other hand. Here's something cool that you need to look at, at the angle here going on the scripture, right? Paul's sitting in jail. He wants to impact the Philippian church. It's 800 miles away. Not a lot of ways to communicate with him. He needs people. He gets them. But here's an interesting thing. Paul found Timothy when he was moving. You get this? Paul was moving, spreading the gospel all around Macedonia, all around Asia Minor, all around Israel, um, the Middle East, you know, and, and that, that whole area now that we know. He was on the move, and because he was active in his faith, obeying God, he found the right person in, in a city, in Lystra. Not so with Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, Paul met when he was sitting in the jail in the lowliest time, God sent him. Epaphroditus. Do you get it? You see what I'm saying? One, he was busy moving and doing God's will, which we need to be doing in our life. There needs to be forward movement in our faith. But then there are times where God sends you people. He sends you people to lift you up, to build you up, to keep you on the right, in the right direction at the right time when you're lonely, when you're bitter, when you're, when you're poor, or maybe when you're just down and out. God sends the right person. And I want to ask you this. Are you doing the work, traveling around, obeying God, and finding the right people for, for, for what God wants you to do? And then the second thing is, has God sent anyone in your life that you've been ignoring? Maybe God sent them in your life to build you up for a certain time and, or, or to give you a certain part of his character or, or to challenge you in an area of sin. Maybe God's put people around you like that. Have you, have you shoved them away? Have you, have you pushed them off? Or, or, or have you embraced them and said, this is God's person, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to work with them. I'm going to put them in an inner circle. Do you see the difference between Timothy and Epaphroditus? It's huge. All right, now, let's go to part two. Part two is a lot of uh, application. Get your pens out, all right? Get, get that back of, the, back of the program going. Write down the notepad. This is really important stuff, all right? Part two is about getting the right people in my inner circle. How many of you have the wrong people or a wrong person in your inner circle? There's someone in your life that's pretty close to you, and they're not pointing you to Christ. They're not do, giving you the right stuff. They're not... Uh, they're not life-giving. In fact, they're sucking the life out of you, and you know it, but you're not sure how to, to maneuver around your inner circle. Now, I'm not talking about your friends. This isn't like snooty Christian, you know, talk where it's like, oh, they're not a Christian, so I can't say hi to them anymore, you know, or, uh, hey, I need to look down on them and tell them all their sin. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about your inner circle. Look at Jesus for a second. Jesus had, this is in your program, you might want to, or it's up on the screen, you just may want to read this. This is important. Jesus had his family, right? His, his flesh and blood. But he also had three. He had Peter, James, and John, right? The other disciples were like, dude, why is it always Pete, James, and John? Why? You know, it's like, why can't Jesus bring me over there? It's because Peter, Jesus was like, no, I got these three guys, and they're like the deepest of my inner circle, and this is who I'm going to have in it. Uh, and so Jesus had the three who were a part of a little bit larger inner circle of the 12. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, we know that 
there were over 500 people who saw Jesus resurrected. He had the 500. He, he must have had this, this next size crowd up a little bit that knew who he was. Uh, and then he had the Pharisees. He had people who were attacking him. I know no one in here has people attacking you, right? Everybody just gives you a great time all the time, right? Especially inside your own house. Am I right? No? Okay, I'm not right. No one, I'm the only one. Okay, it's me. Check. Uh, and then uh, he had the crowd that he taught to on the mountain. He had Satan, the accuser, who tried to twist Scripture and tried to get him to walk away. He tried to, do you realize this, that Satan was literally trying to separate the Godhead? You have Father, Spirit, Son. He was trying to separate the Godhead there in the 40 days of wilderness. And if Satan is trying to separate the Godhead, don't you think he's going to be trying to separate you from God? He's, he, he's going to do it. And, and Satan, believe it or not, is here, real, unfortunately. And, and you need godly people to help you with your shield of faith and your sword of salvation. You need these people because Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. He even attacked Jesus. He could attack us. And he also had God the Father who he sat, even when the inner circle failed him, he would come and pray and spend time alone with the Father. Are you spending time alone with the Father? Bring your request to him, even when the best people around you fail. Are you doing it? So that's Jesus. I, I wanted to give you that little word picture right there of his relationships. But let's get the right people in your inner circle right now. Number one, here you go. We'll spend just, we'll just breeze through this. Set your life's course according to God's word. Set your life's course according to God's word. You know, there are too many people setting their course to being a Republican or to a Democrat or, or uh, trying to be passive. Or there are too many people trying to set their course to being rich and the riches of this world or, or having a lot of people like them, fame. You know, we're setting our course to all these different kinds of things, but let's go back. What did Paul and Timothy have in common in their course? That they were trying to advance the what? The gospel. That was their common denominator, and it ought to be yours too. And you may say, well, Dave, I don't know how to do that. Well, it's very simple. You say, you know what matters to me most? That the name of Jesus is lifted up high on this earth, and that when people see my life, they see Jesus. Now, it's, simple to, it's not simple to live, but it's a simple decision to make. You see, God didn't give us scripture so that you could be confused on how to live with him. You make up your mind. That's part of how the attitude of your heart changes is when you make up your mind. Um, let's look at the second thing. After you set your life's course, um, <laughs> this is pretty, <laughs> uh, this is the hard one. This is pretty hard. You lovingly remove and some of you in the room need to hear this. There, I know that there are a few in the room who desperately need to hear this. You lovingly remove those who are not headed in the same direction. Now, did you hear uh, your pastor say the application is to cut off all, all people who aren't Christians who just aren't good enough and tell them so? No, that's not what you heard them. We're talking about your inner circle, the people influencing you, the people you're using to influence the world, you're, or utilizing, using probably a poor word, um, but we have to learn who to remove. You know, it, sometimes new Christians will come up and they'll say, Dave, guess what, guess what, guess who I added 
uh, I, got, I found this friend at work after I, after I received Christ, and I found they're a Christian too, and it's so awesome. And, and sometimes I like to think, well, that's really good to add strong people to your life, isn't it? But also, hey, tell me who you're getting rid of. Tell me who doesn't make the cut anymore when it comes to having, you know, major access to your life. Who doesn't get there anymore? Who doesn't get to influence you away from Jesus? Who doesn't get to influence you into some weird pocket of being a Christian even? Who are you removing? And here's the key question. What is the long-term impact of this relationship? You have to evaluate that in your relationships. As you go around, the people have the most access to you. What is the long-term impact of having this person so, so close? Now, um, here's the news. You don't get to eliminate your husband or your wife, all right? You made a promise, right? Okay, hey, I saw some elbows happen there, right? Um, you don't get to do that because you made a vow that said, till death do you part. And you know what? You, you all need to get on the same page, and, and that's why this October we want to help you with that. But um, some people are are dumping just nasty stuff into your life. Some media is dumping nastiest stuff to your life. We live in a day where not just people become in your inner circle, you know, become your inner circle, but media becomes your inner circle. What kind of things are influencing your life? It's, it's kind of like when uh, uh, we did our Yellowstone, bap- our Yellowstone baptism uh, in the river just a few weeks ago. I was talking with Chris Nordstog, who was just loving the baptism. And, hey, can we get excited about that baptism? <laughs> Woo! Hey, I'm, I'm twice as excited because somebody obeyed Christ in that, and we didn't get washed away, and I'm still here to give you a message. Um, but when we were talking about where to do this baptism in the river, uh, I'm new to Billings, right? And, and much like some of us are new to faith, I'm new to Billings, and I said, oh, hey, let's go down to Two Moon Park. And, and all, all of a sudden, I see Chris's face kind of go, well, he's trying to be nice to me, like, uh, yeah, why don't we, yeah, well, maybe, let's think about that. Uh, or we could do Riverfront. And I'm thinking... Riverfront? I, I've never, I don't know Riverfront, but what's the difference? And he goes, uh, so he let a little bit of time slide, and I was like, oh, I found this awesome place at Two Moon. He goes, well, that's nice, but we can't do that. Why? Why can't we do this? Well, there's a, the, the sewage treatment plant is just a little bit upstream, right? And so I, we need to go to Riverfront because it's like, it's more natural, right? It's like, I'm going to get in the river, and I'm not going to go, what am I getting in? And we all know it's treated, but who wants to do that, right? He's like, I want my baptism to be pure before, you know, he didn't say that, but, but you know what I'm saying. But there are people who are literally the sewage station on the Yellowstone River dumping things into our lives, and we continually bathe right there at the same spot getting washed over, and we wonder why our walk with God isn't effective. We have to get to the place where we have the pure flow of Christ through his people, washing through us, being washed by the water of his word as other people encourage us and care for us and fight the same fight and have the family bond. This is who we need around us. And so you have to decide, is this a person who needs to be removed from inner circle or do I need to change the access? Do I need to change the access? Do, do I need to tell my friend at school, hey, you know what? If you want to hang out with me, it's going to be on my terms anymore. I'm not going to the party anymore. Hey, young adult, single adult, I'm not going to go get smashed anymore on, on Saturday night. 
It's just not happening. But if you want to come over to my house and play some games on my terms, on my turf, where the pure flow is running through, I'll do it. You, you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And so here are a few verses that I just want to throw into your heart as God washes our hearts about who needs to be around us. And, and this is really important for some of us because some of us are in the room, I know as a new church um, we're apt to reach new people to the city as well. And, and you are rebuilding your relationships. Be very careful about who your inner circle is uh, a, as you grow your life here in Billings. Um, here's verse 1. I love this verse. It is so in your face. It just and, and there's not much else to say. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33 great memory verse. Is, could it be any more plain than that? Bad company corrupts good morals every time. And then check out Proverbs thirteen twenty. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Great, great instruction from the word of God. Now let's look at the must-have list really quickly. The must-have list. Now, some of you in the room are thinking, I must have, you know, if you're a single guy and, and you're younger, you're thinking, I must have a, uh, a girl around me who is, you know, five foot whatever, weighs whatever, this color hair. No, that's not what you need. Some of you are in business or thinking, you know who I need? I need somebody else in business who, uh, who can send about 100 new customers my way. That's who I need. And, and you know, we, we make this list. Uh, or maybe, hey, I need somebody who can make me feel feel good. I just feel good when I'm around them. That's a big mistake, everybody. That's a big mistake. That's how you get, that's how, uh, how divorce happens. That's how affairs happen with that mindset. We have this wrong view of who we must have around us. And so uh, look at Proverbs 12, 26. It's up there on the screen. It simply says in your must-have list, the righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Wow, what a solid verse. The righteous choose their friends carefully because they know that wickedness will wash them way down into a place in the river they don't want to be. And so what types of people should make up your inner circle? One person may hit all these. Uh, you may need four or five people to hit these, but these are people, and I'm looking at the scripture, looking at the, at the relationship between Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus and the church and seeing what they did uh, as we examined in Scripture earlier today um, and, and, and Philippians 2. But here is the list right here. You need a spiritual mentor. You know, a spiritual mentor may not necessarily be older than you, as in like, hey, I'm 40 and they're 50, or I'm 20 and they're 30. Uh, uh, it may not be older than you, but this is what they are older than you in. They are older than you in the faith. You need a spiritual mentor right now. You can pray and ask God. You can be like Paul who took the journey and found, he found his Timothy, but guess who Timothy found as Paul was working? He found his Paul, right? He found his mentor as he did it. And so you need someone who you can bring your walk with God, stuff that's going in life. If you don't have anyone further along, you are totally missing the boat on how God intended relationships around you to work. I'll just tell you right now. And, and I'll even speak to my generation. I'm a, I'm a mid-30s guy, and, and even the 20-somethings. So many times, you know, our generation will look up and go, oh, I don't know if I want to do it like that generation. Well, I can tell you this, that we need to become a people who honor the, the godly people 
who, who have gone way before us, and we need to listen to them. They have good things to say. And those of you who are older, don't X out the younger generation. Find yourself a Timothy. Start working. Start walking. Find somebody to pour into uh, because God didn't make you who you were to influence no one. And, and so uh, let's look at the next thing, an encourager who cares. We saw this out of Timothy and Epaphroditus, people who cared for Paul, not just uh, his mission about sharing the gospel, but they, they would bring stuff to him in jail. Um, coworker, we talked about people who get their hands dirty. Is there a coworker in your life? Someone you know that when your hands go to work, you, every time you look, you're like, Haha, there's their hands too. Do you have that person? You can pray and ask God for that type of person. You need them on your must-have list. Uh, the next one is this, and this is, this is the kicker, and nobody likes this, a truthful friend. How many of you love to hear the truth about you? <laughs> oh, man. I walked home and got, I had two or three people in my inner circle tell me the truth about me a few days ago, and I went, oh, ouch, this hurts, I hate it. No, I didn't, you know, your first, your first response when t- someone tells you the truth about, you know what, you need to get healthy in this area of your life, you go, no, I don't, right? No, hey, what are you, hey, you're, you're just picking on me, you, you know, you always pick on me, you know me too well, you're, you're overanalyzing, and, and that's your first defense mechanism, but a few days later after I encountered this, I thought, Wow, these people are so right. If, if I don't listen to the truth they just told me, the godly truth, guess what? I'm not going to be who God intended me to be. <laughs> you need the truthful friend. And here's the, the last person. Everybody in here needs a person to disciple. And you may say, Dave, I'm not even a Christian yet. I don't even know if I trust Christ. How can I help someone? You know what? Even you can go and find someone further away from God. You know, you're sitting in a room thinking about worshiping God today or trying to worship him. Uh, Even you can go and say, hey, I think I know where there's living water. Would you come with me? And then you go further down the line. Some of you have been in the faith a long time, and you have no one around you that you can send. Do you see the value of investing in someone who's not quite as far along? When Paul got in a bind and he couldn't do anything anymore, He could still accomplish everything because he had invested so much time into a person who was a few steps behind that by the time he really needed to do something for the Lord huge and he needed needed God to show up big in his life, he just went, I can't go to Philippi, but you know who can? Timothy. (laughs) If he goes, it's, it's better than me. It's better than me. He had this person in his life. Who are you bringing along in the faith? Who are you discipling? Is the answer nobody? I'm not talking about like once or twice. Who are you bringing along? Um, Let's look at the fourth part of getting the right people in your inner circle. And this is where we close today. Um, Number one is be in the right places. Be in the right places. You are not going to find the right inner circle on the stock market. (laughs) You're not going to find the right person in the right inner circle doing things that are full of sin. You are not going to find the right people unless you are in the right places. You know, this is why we champion getting in a small group. If you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Because you know what? You're not going to find perfect people there. There's no perfect people. But you may find someone who can fit in your inner circle by being in the right place, which means that you have to make Look at the second part. You have to spend the appropriate time 
with the right people. Some of you have access to some awesome godly people in your life, but you're choosing to spend the bulk of your time with people who will influence you otherwise. You, you know, you can, you can include a person, but unless you shift the balance of time to the people who can be closest to you, 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 you are not fulfilling what God wants you to do. And then here's the next two. Make the big ask. There may be somebody uh, who God's put around you and you're going, wow, I need them in my inner circle so I can press forward in Christ, so I can be who God called me to be, so the attitude of my heart can be moldable in the eyes of God, but I, I don't know if they'll do it or not. You know what, just ask. I remember one time, I, I just made a big ask. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, it's my first time as a lead pastor. Our church is six months old. And I thought, you know, the poor people out there need they probably wish I would get better at preaching. <laughs> you know, don't amen, all right? Uh, but I'm like, they probably wish. So you know what? I made about five phone calls to people who are super respected in the area of preaching. And I went, hey, w- will you help me out? Will you help me? And they, you know what my first answer was? No. No, I won't help you. I went, oh, I must be really worth it. Yes, I'm doing great. And, and I moved down the line. And, but you know what? Over time, I found about two or three people who would help me in this area? Some of you are struggling with, like, how do I start walking with God? There's, a, there's somebody God's put in your life, an Epaphroditus that he's sent that you're just not paying attention to. Or, or how do I really become a, a man of integrity at work and, and, and do the right thing? Well, there's somebody God sent. You're, how, how do I become a lady who, who keeps her emotions in check even though the kids are driving you crazy and you deserve to go crazy over it? How do I become that person? Make the big ask to somebody who can help you. And here's the last thing. Uh, Look at verse 19 from Philippians 2. I love this. I love the first few words of verse 19. Before the relationships that were in his life, I love the umbrella that Paul put on it. He said, but I trust in who? The Lord Jesus. Trust Jesus in your relationships. Trust him to do what he says he will do. Paul trusted Jesus first. And, and you, may want, you may wonder, am I trusting Jesus with my life and with the people around me? And here's a good litmus test. Are you squeezing the life out of them, the people around you? Are you holding them tight saying, no, you're mine. No, you can't, you can't become who God wants you to be. Or are they open-handed? Because, you know, when the time came for Paul to send Epaphroditus, you know what he said in verse 28? He said, see you later. You're off. He held him open-handed. And he said, I trust Jesus with all my relationships. I trust him with even the people who, who are closest to me, even if God removes them from, from my life or, or something happens and, and they walk away, I'm going to trust Jesus. Let me ask you the question today. Are you trusting Jesus with the people that he's given you? Or are you holding them tight? Are you squeezing the life out of them? Are you a life sucker and not a life giver? Well, today we come to a time of response. And uh, the band's going to come up and play. And we're going to take about a, a verse or two to spend time with the Lord, and then we'll stand and worship. But uh, today I want to ask you a few questions. If everyone would, take out your connection card. It's in your program. This is how we respond here at Elevation Church. Um, maybe you have a prayer request today where you, have to, you need to pray and ask, God, 
Will you send a godly, maybe you're at the place in life where you're like, I don't know if I have any godly relationships, and even just one would be great. Ask God for that. Maybe you need to ask God to fill in your inner circle and help you, and help you remove a person that's, that's really been a terrible influence. Maybe today you need to write down the name of a person, you person who's long, you know, long down the road of faith, a person that you're going to invest in and no longer are you going to hog spiritual information and, and a godly life and you're going to start giving it away to people around you and not just be a Christian consumer but be a life giver. Maybe you need to write that person down. Or today, do you know this? The reason why Paul could trust Jesus is because he bled and died on a cross. The Bible says he lived a perfect, sinless life. He died on the cross, took the wrath of God and sin and a great act of love that's available for you and I. He did that so that we could trust Jesus, that he rose again and that he's up at the right hand of the seat of the Father in heaven and that he's coming again. Today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you need to let him in your inner circle. You need to let him be the influence. You need to let him be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And the Bible says that you can do that by two quick things. You can believe that, that he is who he says he is, all the things I just said, and turn from your sin. And the Bible says you will be saved. So today, I want to challenge you this. Maybe you need to write down five people, maybe on a different sheet of paper. Who is your inner circle? What are they contributing to your life? Where are they going? And are they going where God is taking you? Do that and trust the Lord to give you a Timothy and Epaphroditus and accomplish the work of his kingdom. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.